0: All right, what's going on? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the LED Project. I am Wilkie Law. On here with my good buddy and partner, Kyle Krieger.
1: Hey, 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 hey.
0: Kyle, maybe you can help us. What episode is this? Like 27? I maybe? think it's 27.
1: 28? Yep, 27. 27,
0: okay. I didn't want to misquote it. I know you keep up with those. I know. I'm
1: pretty proud. Um, like we, we set a goal at the start of this year to do one a week. But, you know, we had some setbacks, but I think, you know, if we can get to 30-ish by the end of the year, that's it's a really good start. And I'm excited because, you know, we were talking about Gary Vee a little bit earlier, and he always talks about how he wishes he had, like, documentation of how long he's been saying the things he's been saying. So even if people right now are not listening to it, like I can't wait for people to come back, you know, five or ten years from now and be like, yeah, like you were saying earlier, we've been saying the same things forever, you know. Absolutely. So, so it's Part good of
0: this, you know, this four-year long conversation that we've been in.
1: I, mean, <laughs> I know I man. it's it. crazy.
0: You know, when you can get in a conversation with someone like that to that extent and, and 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 the conversation constantly grows. I mean, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. It makes it makes everything constantly keep evolving because you're not straying from one side to the other. You you're picking a side and you're staying with it and and you're riding it. And that's what makes success. I mean, one of the things that I remember when I was trying to be a musician, they said, you know, hey, you just got to keep showing up. You know, if you keep showing up doing the things that you love to do, then pretty soon somebody's going to somebody's gonna want to hear you. You know, and that was me trying to get music out to people and not sure if I want to do live music, if I want to do production-based. But he said, if you keep showing up doing what you're doing and talking about what you're talking about, you're going to be successful, period. 100. So, that's a free nugget right there for everybody <laughs> right there. Uh uh
1: just dropping knowledge on just dropping knowledge (laughs) on folks
0: it's not speed that wins the race it's consistency check now if you got speed with you and you're consistent you're you're in a win-win situation but if you're not the fastest don't give up because as long as you stay in a race yeah for sure in a race all right so we're gonna get this this episode 27 kicked off with clear the air and since i'm hosting it this time i'm gonna kick it over to you to kyle to clear the air
1: oh man um clearing the air uh, honestly, like I, it was such a nice Thanksgiving, and no offense to my family in Houston, but uh, to spend Thanksgiving with my family and to be able to spend a bunch of time with my nephews has been so awesome. My nephew Beckett, who's two, is so funny. Every time I come over, he just goes, Kai Kai, come over, Kai Kai, come over, and anytime he says my name and something after it, doesn't matter, It's it's really awesome. He's super fun and you know why it just turned five months so um Mm. the relationship that i built with those two you know since i've been back has been more meaningful than i could have expected yeah so Yeah. yeah how about you
0: uh i'm gonna stay with the same vibe man and just say that you know this thanksgiving was really special for me um I didn't get to spend it with my entire family. Um, uh, my brother was out on the rails, uh, of my other sisters was out in Paraland with, uh, you know, the other side of her, with her husband's family. So, uh, but my, you know, my sister, and my brother-in-law, the girls, um, and my, my baby sister and her husband and his son, um, uh, his wife came over and we had some really good conversation come to find out, you know, his wife's an educator. Um, her daughter in law is an educator, so we had to have some really good conversation there. Um, you know, anytime you get teachers in a room together, you know it's gonna be conversation going on. So um it was really good and rich and <clears throat> watching my nieces, you know, you know, being adopted and coming into I mean we're we're kind of a loud family, you know, you you gotta warm up fast to us. You know, none of us are really shy. And both of the girls were really shy. And now to see them starting to come out of their shell and you know, play and joke with other little kids and not be so attached with, with just one person. It's just like, you know, I watched my, my my oldest niece run up and give my wife a hug, you know. She doesn't run up and give hugs freely. She normally waits, waits, and waits, and then you got to snatch one. But she ran up to her, and I was like, you know, you can see those bonds being connected. I had to do the prayer for Thanksgiving. Uh, my father-in-law um, bestowed that honor on me this week. Um, And and it really, like, I had to catch myself because I wanted to really go in about how thankful and grateful I am about that, you know, to have that family and the generations, you know, with his family, you know, the the recent my family, the laws, all coming together. And I know that's something that my wife has wanted and that I've wanted with my siblings. So, you know, we're going to try to make it a monthly deal to get together, you know, at my in-laws and try to, you know, come together and just, just fellowship with one another. Um, so man, yeah. So right along the same lines, man, that it's been such a relaxing and, and, and positive break. Got to do a lot of reading and, and just, you know, work and of course homework, but you know, just being able to read books, finish books and, and get, get those nuggets dropped into you. So yeah, feel pretty good right now. Feel pretty good about it. Yeah. So, all right. So going on to the next section, um, uh, this is something that came up. I, I laughed with Kyle because I was having a conversation with someone we met uh, in New Mexico and we were talking about, um, we were about to end our conversation. And so the conversation came up about, Hey, I'm about to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I asked, how do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? What's your method? And so when, when, when that came out, we were talking and I, I just wanted to ask you a question. So Kyle, you, you're a PBJ fan. I know. I've seen you bring it for lunch. So, Tell me how do you make your PBJ sandwich? Um like what's your process?
1: Okay, so you get you, you get out the the paper towel and you set two pieces of bread down on the paper towel. Then you get the knife out and I am a am a peanut butter first. So I will okay. I will do the piece that has the peanut butter. So a good healthy um helping of crunchy peanut butter always. Crunchy peanut crunchy, crunchy peanut, peanut butter. Okay. crunchy peanut butter for sure. And then I take the peanut butter knife and then I kind of wipe the excess peanut butter on the next slice that's going to have the jelly because so i use the same uh-huh. knife i'm not using two different uh-huh. knives. and gotcha. then and then we're just taking the strawberry jelly whether it's my mom's homemade or whether it's like the smucker strawberry like good generous helping of the strawberry jelly put them together and mow it down
0: okay see and, that, and that's interesting you know because i'm a crunchy guy myself my wife, my daughter, or not. So I get the creamy. Sometimes I might buy me a little small thing of crunchy because I don't really eat them that often. But when I do, I like the crunchy myself. I like the the, the crunch. But um, but see, we're different because see, I I, I put I'm a peanut butter person. Like, I, I if it wasn't for it sticking to the roof of my mouth, I'd probably have a whole peanut butter sandwich. But um, I put peanut butter on both sides of my bread because I don't want the jelly to leak through. You know, so oh. I had a little bit of jelly. And oh. I'm, I'm I'm a grape guy. I'm a grape guy. So I I used a grape jelly, you know. So, um, and I'm noticing now, like, I don't really like a lot of jelly as much as I used to. Now I'm, I'm more of a peanut, give me more peanut butter. I like that, the hardiness of the peanut butter. And it makes me feel a little full longer. But, um, but when I start mine, you know, same scenario, two slices of bread, peanut butter, both sides, only put jelly on one side though. You don't want it to get messy. Um. Then I'm bread together, and sometimes just maybe, and I don't know why this is. If I'm eating chips with it, I like cheesy chips with my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So give me like some not cheetos. on
1: not not on it,
0: not on it, but, but with, with it, it. Okay. Yeah. okay, Doritos or something like that. So okay, so that's my thing. So so we were, you know, <laughs> it was funny to have a conversation about peanut butter and jelly because if you talk to everybody, everybody has a different method and a different way they do it. You know, they like to toast theirs. You know, they toast the bread before they put the peanut butter. So the peanut butter kind of melts. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. That'll, You know, so it's like you get those conversations. So we were kind of, since we're both educators, you know, uh, we she's at the college level and, you know, us at the K-12 level. And I said, how is it that we can get teachers to understand that just like there's many different, think about the ingredients for peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You got three ingredients. Three ingredients. Bread, peanut butter, and jelly. But even with just three ingredients, now watch this while I'm going somewhere, even with only three ingredients, everybody's going to make it differently. We just proved it right here between my method and your method. Everybody's going to make it different and have a preference of how they want to put it together. And if that's the case, with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a basic childhood snack, how much more is it when you're entering the classroom or when you're dealing with a teacher and they're dealing with their students? So if we're if you're looking at education as being that PBJ sandwich, we, we, we've seen it all. Education has basically three components. The rigor, the relevance, and the relationship. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are the three components of it. The rigor, the content that you're teaching, the relevance, how you're teaching it to them, the relationship, how you're learning who they are in order to teach them the method that you want to. It really should be relationships, rele- relationships, rigor, and then re- relevance, or relevance and then re- rigor, and that should be the last. But most time, we call it rigor, relevance, relationships. So if we're looking at that, depending on what's your foundation, depends on how sloppy you get. Can you imagine if you only had? One piece of bread and you try to put peanut butter and jelly on both sides.
1: And you fold it like a hot dog bun? And you
0: fold it like a hot dog bun. It's going to get really sloppy to try to eat.
1: That's like a peanut butter and jelly taco. Like it's going to come squirting out of the ends unless you're super careful. careful. But then if you're super careful, you're not maximizing the amount of peanut butter and jelly you can get.
0: Absolutely. So when you think about it, when you're putting these things together, you have to determine, number one, what's your best part? Because your best part is what you're going to accentuate the most. Then you have to figure out what is your foundation? What's your foundation? What are you building this on? And once you figure out that, then you add your third ingredient. So for me, for education, I would say my foundation would have to start with building relationship. How do I get this kid to trust who I am? How do I get this kid to understand that I'm here to learn who they are? That's my foundation. Those are my two pieces of bread. Notice that is there are two slices to that because one slice by itself just won't do It just said it's a taco. So if our foundation is our relationships because we have to build everything on top of it, then you add your peanut butter. For me, that's the part I like, so I put it on both sides. So then I add my relevance to show them how I've connected all of this stuff that they know about me, I know about them, this content that they now know about, and how it relates to what they're going to need to take it out into the world. That's getting kids to understand how the process works. And that's the lesson that I learned is together to get it apart you just it's not just like a ham sandwich where you pull it apart and it opens up easy. It takes a little bit of effort, a little more effort to pull it apart because the jelly is gonna adhere to the peanut butter and it wants to stay together. I'm trying to help the people see. So once you build a solid relationship and you put the things together, no matter what those kids go to, it's always gonna take more effort to undo. Right now we're putting kids out there undone. So let's stop that and start really focusing on what's most important in education and how we can get the most of it. And we can learn a lot just from this little bit simple. You know, what's the one thing that you love? I know when I was thinking about this, I thought about you and your CrossFit. You know, you and CrossFit. That, that, that was a love for you. That really transformed you into the person that I met. You know, I didn't know the Kyle pre... <laughs> I didn't know the pre-CrossFit Kyle. You know, I didn't know Kyle... I guess I could say B.C., before yeah. CrossFit,
1: yeah, I started the year the year before we met.
0: <laughs> right, so I knew the cow after CrossFit. So, and, and and I even then I remember you were writing in your room and you were writing article. You wrote an article for CrossFit, didn't you?
1: Ah, uh, well, yeah, I sent them a uh, an article and they turned it into a Facebook post. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So about teaching in CrossFit, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like that's your that would be your the thing that you love the most, which is what. Your mom's jelly or the peanut butter?
1: I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard to tell what that is. But I don't I mean, want to put you on the spot right now, Mom.
0: Be like, so, man, you
1: ain't gonna get no more of this jelly. You... you know the the funny thing <laughs> is, what I really learned is, you know, like I love CrossFit, the methodology and training, but it, it's always it, it's another instance of it being about the people. Like mm. the CrossFit method the is great but it's the relationships i think that are within crossfit and anyone that like trains crossfit i feel like they'll talk about the people they're around more than um necessarily the fact of you know what they're doing or you know that stuff it was always about that you know and i'm lucky that i've got a couple buddies you know that i teach and coach with that we work out in the mornings that i don't have to work out by myself it's made a huge difference like right now Where I live, there's a couple of CrossFit gyms close, but my schedule isn't conducive. I can't get to any of the classes because they only have one morning class and it wouldn't let me to get to work on time in the morning. And the afternoon classes are done like at five and I have basketball practice till six, you know, but it's, it's still that, that thinking about the relationships. And and I thought about it too, just like an analogy with peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like, the way a first grader eats peanut butter and jelly is different than the way a senior eats peanut butter and jelly.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: You know, a, a little kid, you gotta cut that peanut butter and jelly up into little pieces.
0: Yes, yes, uh-huh. And maybe cut the ends off so they and don't. And maybe cut them. the
1: ends off. You know, yeah. and, and also I was thinking too, you know, you're talking about taking the sandwich apart. Like peanut butter and jelly's not a, something you can eat out of hand. Like you can get, you can go to the store and you can buy a package of ham. And you can eat it right out of the bin. Uh-huh. You know, you can wrap a little cheese in it and you can have it like that. You can't do that. You can't put peanut butter and jelly on your hand and lap it up. That's just not the way it works. You need to have the bread. You, like, have, to have, the you bread. have to have
0: the bread. You have to have
1: the bread in order to make to. that sandwich. You know, it doesn't and, even
0: go well in a wrap because I tried to put peanut butter and jelly on the on tortilla no, and it
1: doesn't. It's no, not it's, the same. It's bad. It's bad. Um, <laughs> you know, but, and it's just that analogy you know there's there's a million different ways to slice it but and i granted like there are some people who love peanut butter and jelly more than me there's some people who love peanut butter and jelly less for me than i do but mm-hmm. hopefully the peanut butter and jelly if we're talking education as the metaphor like hopefully everybody's getting what they need from that you know and like mm-hmm. you said right now like not everybody's getting what they need and i would mm-hmm. probably make it safe to say that the majority of people are not getting what they need. And, you know, it's, it's a simple sandwich. And we think it's that the, sandwich. and and we think that the solutions to education are simple as well, but, you know, it's, it's going to take people and, and, you know, with everything going on in our country and all the changes that are taking place and all those things, I mean, you got to feel like somewhere down the pipe, education is going to be, the next shoe to drop that people are going to start talking about how it really should be and what it should really be about. It it needs
0: to become a major part of the agenda. Uh, And I think that we are not because federally it's not a, it's not regulated at the federal level. It's left up to the States, to commonwealths, to counties, um, And because of that, again, back to the peanut butter and jelly metaphor. You know, you're you're, you're having all of these different styles and all these different methodologies. Um, Could there be one common effective one? I honestly believe the most common effective way to educate is to simply say, build a relationship with some kids and show them some cool stuff in the process. You know what I mean? <laughs> Regardless of what your subject area is, whether it's reading, whether it's math, build a relationship with these kids and show them some cool stuff in the process. And you'll see kids will go so much further with that because I mean, I'm mean, i an old guy and I still like to be shown some cool stuff. You know, we all want to be amazed at some cool stuff or learn something we didn't know. When you're fortunate and you mandate, you cannot mandate someone to learn. That is a misconception. Forcing someone to learn will never, ever work. All you can do is expose them to things in hopes that they would catch on. You can't force anybody to do anything. They have to want to do it. So if you don't build up a relationship where they want to do just because I know me doing this gets me closer to you, or I know me doing this gives me a greater connection to you because now we both know how to do something different, Unless education becomes to that point, we're spinning our wheels in the mud thinking that increasing the rigor on a test is going to make kids smart.
1: You know, and there is a point where a sandwich has got a little bit too much peanut butter and a little bit too (laughs) much jelly.
0: When it starts falling all over your hand, you know, it stains and staining your napkin, you know, it's like at that point. I mean, one of the things that I do to make sure my peanut my jelly is not too much, I pick the bread up. When I make the sandwich, if I pick the bread up and jelly's rolling off, that means I got too much jelly. And now I got to the point where I just eyeball it to know that I still should be able to see some peanut butter. But there should be some little clumps of jelly so that when I mash it together, it spreads out and disperses. I mean, jelly moves. I mean, come on. we, we all know jelly is gonna conform to whatever it's in. So you don't need a lot. You just put a little bit and spread it out. And once you do that, you get it in every bite.
1: You know, and that's, I don't
0: want a whole mouthful of it at one point.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and that comes back to the point, and this is maybe a good segue to our next podcast, is, you know, you know, education is going to conform to whatever box we try to put it in. Mm. You know, and that's something you we had a conversation about a few weeks ago, is, you know, we're trying to take this entity and find a box that fits rather than trying to figure out where the bond where the boundaries are and mm-hmm. building something around what it actually is right so
0: but that's yeah. awesome i'm glad you for indulging appreciate you for indulging me on, on that on that topic i know you were probably sitting there scratching your head, wondering where I was really gonna go no. with the PBJ.
1: I got trust. I got trust in my boy. <laughs> I got trust in my so, boy.
0: So yeah, so awesome, awesome. So in an effort to 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 um, to for marketing and for um, for sake of time and everything and give us a sense of order, uh, we, we we have another session um, segment we're gonna add into called Teachers Conference into our podcast. Um, Again, we want people to subscribe. We want people to listen. You know, there's always some elements of truth that you can find in no matter what you're listening to. And we would hope to think that there's a lot of truth that you can find in the things that we're saying because we're not coming from a theoretical. We're, we're both boots on the ground. So um, a segment that we want to come up with, that we came up with, is Teachers Conference, where opportunity comes up where you can ask a teacher a question. You know, we're both educators now from different vantage points, you know, with Kyle being in the Midwest, um, up in Wisconsin, um, and me being here in Texas, uh, so now he's getting that experience of teaching in in another area. Um, so, any questions that you have, you can you can hit us up, uh, Kyle. I'm sure Kyle posts where we can put the, where you can ask the question. But any question you want to send in, anyone can send in a question and get a teacher's perspective on something that you want to know. Today, we came up with a question that we'll kind of address for for this segment. Uh, So get your questions in. Um, If we get multiples, we'll just take them and break them down into each segment that we do. And that'll kind of force our hand to make sure we stay on point to to do the segments and deliver you all the content that we know you deserve as our listeners. Um, So the question that we have for today is why is testing, standardized testing, a priority? Why is... Test, test, standardized testing a priority. You want to start with this or you want me to take this one, Kyle?
1: Um, I'm going to just say uh, a quick little snippet. Um, for me, it just, I, I get that we want to measure what kids know, but my issue is it's now, seems to that it's become a way to just monitor, um, not even monitor, that's not the right word. for It's a way for schools to prove what they've been doing. You know, Mm -hmm. and not in the real way because we know that there are really, there's very little out there that proves standardized test scores are a metric or a measure for how successful a person's going to be. You know, so for me, it seems more like schools trying to prove, and not even schools, it's just like the system trying to prove that it's doing its job, but... And that's where coming back to like, you know, the jelly reference, I don't think that's Mm -hmm. a job that school should be doing. You know, there's, there's nothing really that seems to me in how we approach standardized testing that's in anything to do with the relationship piece. It's all rigor. Like we looked over Mm -hmm. an ACT practice that we had taken and it was written at a 12th 12th grade and up level for 10th and 11th graders. And a lot of the kids that are taking it are not reading on grade level. But now they're taking tests that are two to three grade levels above them. And they're they're given 35 minutes to take a test in reading that's got 40 questions and four passages. It would take me, I don't know that I could get it done you know so how, many, how
0: long do you say how many minutes
1: 35 minutes to do 40 questions with wow. and and having to read within it so um i'm i'm not a huge fan i especially because it doesn't it's not a metric that proves whether our kids are going to be successful and my other problem i have too is you know my school makes every kid do it when it's not reality i mean we got a a lot of kids that aren't planning to go to college you know so why are they forcing why are we forcing them to take it and why are we gearing instruction towards that when we know we have a group of kids that's not going to take it or that's that it's not going to ever be useful for them
0: yeah it's not going to benefit
1: them yeah so that's my point that's my piece on that
0: and mine my my, i'm kind of right along the same lines um I see it as a necessary evil that's gotten overgrown. Yeah. Um, I get it by wanting to say as a tool of measurement, I want to see where you've grown to because you've got to have that type of quantitative data uh, on, on student success. But I believe that the majority of what education is is qualitative and there are no measures in place that measures that. You know, right. I think I sent you right. the, um, I sent you the, I was in, in thought the other night and I think I sent you that, um, the text, um, it's kind of funny. Um, I wasn't really, I was sending this cause I got it and I, you in my text and I typed it up and just sent it so I can make sure I wouldn't lose the idea. When I said educating a child without the ability to communicate is a recipe for a fool. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that when you're looking at standardized testing, I mean, you can get over time, you can teach a a chimpanzee or a parrot to 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 figure out to get a desired outcome that you want, picking out facial features, picking out different shapes knowing the different things. So, so it's not to be excited about the fact that I can teach a kid to be successful on a 40 question multiple choice question based off something they read. That does not tell me a whole lot about that student as an individual and a person. That tells me their ability to do a recall. And I think that because so much emphasis, because it's cheap and it's easy to do standardized testing it's easy to measure standardized testing. It's easy to compare results of standardized testing. The matrix pretty much creates itself by the number of questions you give and attaching a scale score to it. So with all of that being said, why is it a priority right now? I don't think it's a priority. I think the emphasis is put on it because it's cheap and it's easy. It's a cheap That's and really easy way to measure.
1: And cheap is relative.
0: Well, I mean, when you put it together and say... I can create a test, right? I create a test. I create maybe three or four versions of that same test. I can then scramble those questions on those tests and then administer those tests across the board to different students, getting the exact same thing and then measure it to say, hey, yeah, that's relatively cheap to do. It takes nothing. Now, the spending that goes in testing and accountability and all that stuff, it's not on creating the test. Come on, man. I mean, questions are recycled. There's nothing new under the sun. So, I mean, that part of it it makes it easy to do. But it's like, just because it's easy and it's cheap to do doesn't mean that it's the best thing to do.
1: Check. Good Good thing to end on. Damn, it was good.
0: (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it's, it's the truth. So... Yeah. I just think that I can say, so is it a priority? And I, we would like to hear from you all. You know, if you have questions or insight on that and you have a comment, send us, please send it to us. Let us address it. Um, again, the more you speak, it gives us the motivation and the fuel to go back out and to, um, and, to and to come back on and, and, and address some of the things and have some dialogues and be a part of this conversation. Uh, again, at the end of the day, our our focus is to inspire teachers. We want to make sure that teachers enter into their classrooms feeling like they can teach kids to run through walls uh, and jump, 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 jump a tall building in a single bound, uh, that, that, that there are no parameters except for the ones they put on themselves. And we can't do that without your assistance. So if you're listening to this podcast and, and you're thinking that there's something in there, you like it, sh- like share it with someone else, you know, let them be a part of the conversation, send us information, feedback so that we can grow again. It's ever evolving. We're trying to get better at doing what we're doing Want to continue to bring content. So we're here for you, uh teachers, uh, parents, if you just have questions or you just want to just get to know who we are and be a part of this blog of how we can reframe education to meet the needs of our students every day. So yeah, and what um, and what we
1: have now um is you can with you know your teacher conference questions or any comments, you can email us at podcast at the ledproject.com. So again, that's podcast at the ledproject.com and we will try to get back to you and use those questions and like, like I said we're, we're still working on the iTunes thing and trying to find some more places to share it but the important thing for us is that we keep doing it you know because we know eventually it's going to get out there and whatever we can do to help you hopefully you know in turn if, if we're helping you you can help us out and just share it so we appreciate your time and the fact that you listen. All right
0: and just know that we're both available if you' if you're looking for keynotes, if you're looking for speakers looking for people to come and inspire your staff or you're looking for a situation, hit us up, email us um, go to our website uh, www.theledproject.com. project.com
1: yes sir you got and, it um, and
0: and hit us up uh, drop us a message send us an email through there uh, we'll get back with you as soon as possible um, So now I guess we've come to our last segment. And we're going to end it on this. Um, It's an exit ticket. You know, teachers will get it. You know that when when, uh, students are leaving, you always give them an exit ticket, something that they think about. So we want to provide you with an exit ticket to comment on. And um, the question is simple. Simply, what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? And um, you can hit us up on any of our social medias. Um, Twitter, Facebook, or uh, Instagram, and just let us know what you're grateful for. We're in a season of thanksgiving, giving thanks and being grateful for the things that are around us. So what do you think, what are you grateful for right now? And uh, with that said, we hope that you would like this, share it, uh, send it out to the world, world world to seeds, and we're trying to plant seeds that will grow into teacher reform and teacher reframe and new policy for teachers. So, um, that's it for podcast number 27 and we'll see you all next time. Peace.